post-game show. Joined once again by Kyle Newbeck and Rich Hoffman. Certainly a lot to talk about here in our first post-game show that really matters. How you guys doing? Uh, you know, after some technical difficulties. A little deja and, vu going on here right yeah, now. Yeah, I know. I, I feel like I'm being introduced again because I am being introduced <laughs> again. So it's uh, that's a first in the history of the podcast, I think. It is. Look, sometimes you have technical difficulties, but look, we're going to have a great show. We are. <laughs> we're going to try anyway. So a lot to talk about there in that one. The three quarters, like I mentioned two minutes ago, but some people will never hear. We had the duel of the two big offseason acquisitions, the Bucks with Damian Lillard, the Sixers matching with Kelly Oubre. Oubre was going point for point with him for three, for three through three quarters until Dame time came in the fourth. Are it, you having technical difficulties speaking do. over That's there? That's not or? new. <laughs> We had a little bit of the referee show starting off over with you, Kyle, I guess, what was your major takeaway here? Yeah. So I want to pause on the ref show for a second and say, we are now officially the Kelly Oubre Sixers podcast. <laughs> uh, I, I believe all of us were dissenters in the off season to varying degrees. I actually was getting tweets from people during the game essentially getting yelled at for Derek's takes about Kelly Which Oubre. Which I don't really get because I feel <laughs> like you were as negative about him as I was. And by the way, Kyle might be ready to say he was wrong. I'm not. If he makes every three he throws up for the whole season, then yes, sure. Listen, yes we'll, we'll give him his pro- He Look, he had a fantastic game. He really he, did. He had an excellent game. And I think you saw exactly why people have been tantalized by Kelly in the past, right? Where big body, athletic, when he gets open and he gets hot, he can make some shots. There were some sprinkles of self creation in there and you know, yeah. getting to a couple around nice the drives off line. of DHOs. Yeah, yep, for sure. Good. And so when he is bought in, he can be really good. And when he shoots damn near 100% from the field all night, he's going to be good. It but I, I'm not being sarcastic at all. That was a great performance. I saw some good defensive plays from him, not necessarily steals, but digging down, pinching at the elbows crowding the court for people. Nope. So no, I, he, he gave good effort on D. He was good all around. A couple passes I might quibble with, but given everything else he gave you, he was fantastic. Just not ready to say the last 527 games of Kelly Bray's career were wrong. <laughs> That's all. That's all. Anyway, um, you know, I think certainly we can get into Joel Embiid. He had a stretch there where he really struggled. Brought them back in the third, so he certainly had his moments. The fourth quarter stretch was infuriating. Overall, though, I think when you take a step back and you look, we can talk again. We'll talk about a beat. We'll talk about the refs. A pretty good overall performance there, wouldn't you say, Rich? I would, especially because we've been doing this for a while. The first game for the Sixers has lied a lot. Like last year, the first game, the takeaway was, oh, man, they can't compete with the Celtics. They have no shot. Now, did they lose to the Celtics at the end of the year? Yes, but they absolutely had a shot, which is what made the offseason. Well, so I mean, look, to start last year, they couldn't compete against the freaking Spurs. So, yes. So, I'm so times. glad I was on my honeymoon during the start <laughs> last season and I could just like, pretend like nothing was happening. So, look, I, I will caution and say the beginning of the season sometimes can lie. It can lie in a good way, too. The The 1926ers got off to a very good start that eventually turned into a spacing catastrophe. Michael Carter-Williams was going to take down the Heatles. Well, that's yeah. that's the all-timer, obviously, the team that sets the record for losses in a row, or ties it, uh, went 3-0 to start the game, or uh, to start the season. So I, I will say, like, I don't get too worked up about the beginning of the season. That said, that was more competitive than I probably thought it would be. Yes. It was especially more competitive because I think they were an in-rhythm Joel Embiid away from winning that game by, like, 8, 10? 8 to 10 points, yeah. And if Joel Embiid is the issue, I'm okay with that. Like that's not going to be the case in a couple of weeks. Like you said, Derek, it's um, it's just part of the Embiid experience. It's it's kind of frustrating that when he starts the season, he's just not in rhythm. Um, the turnover. I mean, we'll be talking about that. Uh, that volleyball just pass was one of the, one of the worst plays I've ever seen. Terrible um, job getting back on that one too by Joe. I thought his defense was very good, and we can talk about that in the Nick Nurse scheme. But look, if Joel Embiid is the problem and you are competitive and you look like you have somewhat of a plan, I think the offense was pretty clunky, but on defense, they certainly did have a plan the entire game. I I leave that game saying it was interesting. They might have gotten screwed by the refs at the end a little bit. But overall, I think if that team plays roughly to that standard, 
for the first couple months. Even if James Harden isn't here, they're going to be pretty good. And Rich watched the first half at home. He walks up to me when he walked in tonight and said, that looks like a Nick Nurse defense. And it really did. It, it was not the passive sit back. We're going to have Joe and drop. There was plenty of aggressive coverage. Now there were, you know, some warts that come with that. As happened in Toronto, they gave up a decent amount yeah. of corner threes. No, they they and, came out, and not only did they send two at Dame, but they were sending two at Middleton to start. Yes. And I was like, that might be a little much. I'm not sure Chris Middleton warrants that kind of attention here early on, but they were definitely aggressive to start uh, to change things up. Yeah. Yeah. And look, that's the reason I think, one of the reasons anyway, I think all of us, but certainly I can speak for myself have gotten a little bit more excited about this team in the last you know month, month and a half, thinking about Nick is going to change some things. He is going to do things different. And if they're going to die, they might die in 15 different ways rather than the same way every year. Now, unfortunately, they died tonight because of the Joel Embiid problems that have been there for quite a long time. But if that's the issue and everything else is kind of humming along, Maxi looks good, Kelly Oubre looks good, Jaden Springer nice in a cameo. I think all in all, overwhelmingly positive in most areas tonight. Yeah. Yeah. And look, I thought Maxi and the way that he started attacking there, especially like when he came out, came on to start the second without Joe, he really started to turn it on. Then later in the fourth, he was going at Dame pretty much every trip down the floor. Like Kyle mentioned on Twitter, that is why he might not be quite as high on the Bucks as some other people. There is somebody you can certainly exploit on that side of the court that they didn't have last year. And Maxi did everything he could to exploit it. I thought he did a decent job running the offense again, sort of like I wrote about today. I'm not expecting hardened level passes, but I thought he at least had his head up on some of those drives. And he got to the rack. He hit his threes. He played an overall good game. And you add in that with um, Kelly and Tobias had a very good game. Now, are they all going to do that every night? No, Tobias probably not going to shoot. What was Tobias today? Eight for, Eight for nine. nine. Probably not going to happen every game. I'm just going to go out on a limb there. But some I, days, I, I think you're on to something there. Some Bob days there. you're going to have to- Toby hot. Some days Joel Embiid might actually be able to make a pass. You never know. Um, hey, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves here. <laughs> but equally, like DeAnthony Melton was struggling. Like, there will be ups and downs for everyone. The Sixers have enough options where they should be able to generate some offense. The passing is going to be a concern. I, saw, I certainly thought there were points where the passing was infuriating me even beyond Joel Embiid. But they competed defensively. Um, you know, if they make a few three throws or maybe hit the offensive glass a little bit harder or Joel Embiid doesn't try to make a volleyball pass, they could be coming away with a pretty strong win. And I think a lot of people in chat are going to be like, look, there's no such thing as a moral victory already. Don't start that kind of shit. I sort of agree, but early season, I don't care. I mean, I care about results, but I care about how well they play and what you're sort of seeing from some of the new pieces. And I think today was a, like, like you mentioned, if your biggest complaint is Joel Embiid, as much as we will get on him for his passing, I do think he's improved as a regular season passer throughout the years. It's the playoffs, the double teams, uh, the crowd that they send him that has, has has caused him troubles. If your biggest problem is Joel Embiid, who you know is going to be a completely different player in two weeks, then it's not um, it's not cause for panic yet. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, as we were discussing a little bit before the show, they play three games and four nights yeah. to open the season, which... Who the fuck decided on that at the NBA level? That's just completely stupid to go months without playing basketball. And then, hey, here's a back-to-back, and you're going to play a, your home opener at 7 p.m. on football Sunday, yeah, Eagle Sunday. That, like that home opener. Ugh. The dumbest scheduling I've ever heard of. Awful. Awful. Um, and I think that might be my concern a little bit moving forward with the Nick Nurse defense because it is a high-effort scheme, right? Yes. And that is... The one downside of it is, you know, it kind of reminds me, Kyle, you mentioned the Heatles earlier tonight. They had that aggressive blitzing style. Yes. And yet it was dynamic when they were locked in. It's hard to be locked in for 82 games. Not every team has Dwayne Wade and LeBron James at their absolute apex either. And obviously the Sixers were not as aggressive as them. But I think that was my, at least in the first half, that was my real positive takeaway was that looked like Nick Nurse level defense. And look, I, I do agree that Joel is the reason they lost this game in the in the fourth quarter. But one of my questions coming into the season was, can Nick Nurse kind of tailor a defense around Joel Embiid's strengths? Like the Nick Nurse chaos ball defense style, how does that work with kind of a static rim protector, a guy you want around the rim for good reason? Because, you know, analytically, that's where you want him. 
uh, I thought they did an awesome job of like blitzing. Giannis uh, slips the screen. Joel is there. And then they rotate on the backside. And it was, you know, like, look, they gave up a couple open corner threes. There are, uh, you know, some things you have to live with in that type of scheme. But I, I thought they looked generally pretty good. And at the end, they got beat by Dame hitting ISO threes. Like, that's that's okay. Like, he's a great player. And unfortunately, you know, you have to put Kelly Oubre on him at the end. And good for Kelly for taking that assignment. But that's okay. Sometimes you get beat by him. But I thought, like, schematically, it, it wasn't like the Bucks were dissecting them with with passing, mm-hmm. other things like that. So that's that's definitely a positive to start No, with. and even in the first quarter, seconds where it sort of started to go haywire for the Sixers, but first quarter... They just couldn't buy a shot. And Kyle tweeted this out. They were getting pretty good looks. They just weren't going down. So they left some points on the board early. And one of the big questions that we had was... All right, and at you, the free throw line, by the way. Oh the free throw God, line was, was just atrocious for, tonight. For both teams. But you expect that with yeah. Giannis more than you do with Embiid. Embiid was like two for nine or something to start. It was crazy. But one of our big questions about the Sixers and about Nick Nurse coming in was, all right, well, how much of Toronto was Nick Nurse and what he believes in terms of basketball, how much of it was Masai and the team that he constructed. We certainly saw glimpses in the preseason of the Sixers forcing those turnovers, but giving up those open corner threes. Saw a lot more of that here tonight. And quite frankly, I think at times it looks pretty good. With some of the athletes they have, especially at Jaden Springer getting second quarter minutes, love to see it. Wasn't sure it was going to happen. Love to see it. But some of the athletes that they have, some of the size they have in the perimeter, I am interested to see what he does. Uh, He should be a lot more aggressive than Doc Rivers was in prior years, because quite frankly, Without James Harden, they're going to have nights where they're not going to be a great half-court offensive team. They need to generate some points. Um, it'll be fun to watch. And Rich, to your point about you know having a, an identity and making the right rotations and all, all the other components of you know team defense, one of the other things they did really well was get the Bucks to settle for shots that we were sitting there saying, oh, yeah, that's a great shot for the Sixers. Like Giannis walking in to pull up threes early in the shot clock, Giannis taking yeah. – free throw line jumpers. And those were happening against not even the lineups with Joel on the floor. That's against Oubre and Paul yeah. Reed and Pat Bev. And like those guys play well tonight, but they're not the group that you send in there. That's like, Oh, that's the Giannis stopper lineup. These are the guys who are going to get him to take shitty shots that he, you would love for him to take over and over again. So on top of the, all the things you're saying, which I totally agree with about the style of play I guess like the the mental side of it and getting the guys they wanted to shoot to shoot that that's a big win on top of that. What did you guys make of uh, Springer only getting five minutes? Because I thought he looked pretty good. He looked that- fa- it seemed like once he he fouled Dame beyond the three point line, I think Nick maybe lost confidence in him. But I think Dame drew what three or four fouls on pull up jumpers. Yeah. Um. No, I don't think all. I think one of them was a non shooting foul, so he didn't get three. The Maxi one, where Maxi yeah. got him with the. But he, he I mean, he got Maxi, he got Melton, he got Ubre, and he got Springer. So it wasn't just Jaden who got bit by that. Um. I thought outside of that, I did think Jaden handled himself relatively well. And I'm look, Jaden Springer, second quarter minutes, first game of the season, and he's on Dame. Uh, I do at least think that was a little bit of a vote of confidence. I'm a little surprised he then went away from him so quickly. That block he made was incredible, spectacular. Yep. One of the play. one of the best defensive plays the Sixers players made in in at least two weeks since he blocked Tatum. <laughs> and and by the way, he makes two blocks in the game. The first one was I forget who it was against on a it, jumper, right? But it was a Matisse Thybul type of block yes. where this guy is not nearly as long as Matisse Thybul, and he's making those plays. But the the play he was just shadowing Dame, um, and, and if you watch the replay. You know, the, the alley-oop gets thrown over his head, and he's like a defensive back, kind of looking at Dame, waiting for him to jump, to jump at the exact same time and catch that with two hands. That is, uh, man, that is remarkable stuff. And, you know, I got to say, he only took one shot. It was like a late clock corner three-pointer where, you know, he kind of gets thrown a grenade at the end of the clock. It looked good. It almost went in. Yeah. Like No, I mean, like someone, he, got, he caught the ball in the corner with like three seconds left on the clock. That was the only decision. It looked fine. Hit him with a little jab step and cleared some space for himself yep. too, which that was a thing that I think we pointed out during the preseason that there was another, you know, look away pass fake that cleared some space. So it seems like he has grown more confident in that shot because yeah. instead of driving into traffic, he's saying, well, let me get that extra foot or two of space yep. and I'm going to let it rip. So so he looks like he's he's pretty confident. And while I would like him to play more than five minutes, I like the fact that he did get five minutes, which kind of signals yeah. Nick Nurse thinks like this guy has earned a spot in the rotation, even if 
he did play all of the veteran guys that are technically ahead of him. And so. he was sort of in the game at the wrong time. Like, I think that was when Milwaukee went on that big run in the second. I think he ended up in negative 10 in five minutes. I think almost, I won't say almost none of that because that four-point play was big, but very little of that was on Jaden. It might have just been the wrong time. And maybe Nick saw that, saw that, saw the changing momentum of the game, and just went cautious with his young kid. I don't know, but I do hope Saturday night there he gets a, he gets run again for sure. Yeah, so we got to take a, a quick break. That you're going to hear a lot of my voice for the next two minutes, and then pay those bills, Kyle. <laughs> Go for it. We will get right back to Sixers Bucks. So first, I got to tell you about our good friends at Soul Savvy. You guys cannot miss out on the biggest sneaker drops if you download the Soul Savvy Drops app. The Drops by Soul Savvy app makes it easy to keep up with all the latest news, releases, raffles, and sales in the sneaker world. It's your one-stop shop for everything sneakers. You get Drops Alert, instant notifications, so you'll never miss a release again. Get instantly notified whenever your size of sneaker is available to buy. Free raffle management to keep track of all the raffles that happen in the sneaker world. And there's a perfect, accurate release calendar. Keeps you updated on all the releases that are upcoming. So whether you're a casual buyer or an all-out sneakerhead, Soul Savvy has something for you with three different levels. The basic version, which is free, mobile plus, or premium. I have the premium version. I keep telling you guys, it's really good. I, I get a lot of hands-on feedback and help from the team at Soul Savvy that I really appreciate trying to get me the sneakers that I want. And we do have a drop alert this Saturday, October 28th. The Air Jordan 12 Cherry drops. And the Drops by Soul Savvy app will notify you when and where it's dropping. So download the Drops app. Never miss a release. And you can sign up for Soul Savvy by clicking the links in the description below or by visiting links.soulsavvy.com slash P-H-L-Y or head over to the App Store and download the Drops by Soul Savvy app. So shout out to our good friends at Soul Savvy. I also have to tell you about our longtime friends at DraftKings Sportsbook. The NFL season is going strong. Can't talk about the baseball season going strong anymore because trigger warning, PTSD, all that, but the Phillies are eliminated. And DraftKings Sportsbook... Thanks, Kyle. <laughs> DraftKings Sportsbook <laughs> is hooking new customers up with an offer that's even stronger than the NFL season. You bet five bucks on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this October. So get in on the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code PHLY. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet five on the NFL. That's code PHLY only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boothill Casino and Resort in Kansas, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, Louisiana, 21 plus age price by jurisdiction, Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. There you go. Now it's you two for the next since few minutes. The, uh, By the way, the, since the Phillies might be eliminated, eliminated, but Nick Castellanos is still standing at home plate swinging away. Just swinging freely at anything that well, goes by. And also, Brian Anderson is still announcing Philadelphia. Yeah, what <laughs> the hell is that about, man? That's First off, we need he, like a reprieve from even, Brian Anderson. Even for a if bit. you like Brian Anderson, and I generally do like Brian Anderson, although he was getting on my nerves a little bit during that Philly series. Give the guy a night off. I, I don't want to see that after, uh, you know, after watching seven games of, you know, my heart getting ripped out. I got to watch him again for the Sixers opener. And I know Stan was making fun of it, but man, he was the last person I wanted to see. Yeah, I agree. I'm still, I'm still in mourning. I can't, I can't even talk about anything tangentially related to that game. It was a tough one. I guess let's go on to a little more about Embiid because I feel like that's going to be a talking point because everyone wants to be mad at Embiid. Ended up with, what was it, 24 points on 9 for 21 shooting, 7 rebounds, 6 of 6, very crucially, uh, 7 turnovers. Probably should have been 28 points if he just made his damn free throws. What did you think he did well? And outside of the passing, which we sort of touched on, what did he struggle with? Well, we are being told that the volume is a bit low. I don't know if Bree wants to turn us up a little bit or if the audience can. Uh, okay, we did that. that 
<laughs> okay. Brian says his phone's low on battery. Thanks a lot, Brian. You're embarrassing us in front of the entire audience. I mean, he did audience. say it three times in a row in all caps. Like, you, you better be right if you're going to distract us like yeah. that. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, the one thing I thought with Embiid is I don't think they have an identity of kind of who is the facilitator on offense at this point. Yes. Where, Especially when Maxi is off the floor. Not that Max, and again, we've spent all preseason talking about Max needs to get better as a passer, but when he's off the floor, that gets real dire real quickly. And it was like a lot of like, you know, him trying to dribble the ball up the court and initiate offense. And look, some of this is that they don't have a ton of dudes who could dribble and shoot. Like that's it's part of the reason why Kelly Oubre, when he's on a heater, look, he's got to play. Like yeah. He just, yeah. it just adds a different element to this team, but they didn't completely know, you know, they, they tried some post-ups with Joe. They tried some stuff at the elbow. They tried some delay stuff at the top of the key, but it, I, I didn't really feel like they had that much of an identity. And also he didn't do a great job passing. Either. No, no. And certainly when Embiid gets tired, like the, the lazy passes come out, even more and they were just like that tap pass i still can't get over i still can't get he's, over he's done that before but it's been successful and that's the thing you kind of laugh at where it's like but this one he's like in like the post and it's like a touch punch. pass well, yeah well and, and usually when it's a tap pass the guy is kind of standing right next to right. him too where it's 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 like a functional play as well this was you know basically like a volleyball set to the other side which didn't work got yeah. uh, got picked off yeah, I one of the things I wrote about because I'm an insane person and wrote an article right before we were going to jump on a podcast is that they are going to need to spend some time and it's what you would have hoped they would do in the preseason to build a functional identity with Joel but within the confines of this new offense and new style because they don't have basically any passers on this roster. Nope. There was a lineup they put on the floor Five minutes into the game, I think, was Joe, Tobias, Kelly, Danny, yeah. and DeAnthony. There's not a single plus. Or I would say you might not even have an average passer on the floor. Like, DeAnthony is a, good, a decent connective passer from the middle of the floor, but nobody who's like, they're, they're going out there and they're making plays for your team. And so... Well, and even he was struggling with his dribble at times tonight, too, when he was yeah, He struggled with tasks. everything tonight. Yeah. That's, look, he got benched for decent amount of the second half in favor of Kelly and on balance, I think probably deserved it. So it's just going to be hard for a while to figure out what that looks like with Joe from the spots that he wants to operate from as they're trying to incorporate more movement and less static spacing around him. I can forgive him for some of the, the passing errors where it's a missed time. A guy leaves when he's expecting them to stay, stuff like that. The volleyball pass, the one where he gets ripped by Giannis by the three-point line yep. and then falls down, might get a flop fine for that one. That's the stuff that pisses me off. That 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 stuff just can't happen. I, I thought the Sixers' best offense tonight was like quick hitting stuff for Maxi, like getting Maxi yep. on ding, where it was, you know, either kind of a wide pin down type screen or or even just a little bit of a dribble handoff. And Kyle mentioned it, you know, in the middle of the third quarter. And I I went back and watched it. I mean, seven straight points for Maxi on Dame in just yeah. the blink of an eye, which, again, some of that is Dame is not a great defensive player. But some of that is Tyrese is really hard to guard, man. And, you know, he had a couple – I think he had a couple in isolation against Dame, step back threes tonight. That's the good stuff. That's what we like to see, you know, him getting up those three-pointers. Um, that was good. They got Tobias on a couple times on, like, seals against Dame. So I, I, I do think Nick is a decent offensive mind. Like, th there are – some set plays that he got to where I'm like, okay, that was good. Like, I see what you were trying to do there. But in terms of like figuring out the identity where he doesn't have to call plays and you can just throw the ball to Joel and it's kind of that organic type of offense. Yeah. They, they were a little behind there, but it is game one. So I'm not too surprised by that. Yeah. So I guess the other sort of point that's a little bit related to Joe because of how involved he was in the defense, we talked about it a little bit, but how do you think they matched up there? You know, they threw a lot um, at Dame, a lot at Giannis. What was your overall takeaway on how they pretty successfully defended Giannis and then struggled with uh, with Dame? Yeah, I think it was mostly that the the Sixers were very aggressive against Dame and and Giannis. A lot of time on his role, he found Joe, and Joe has traditionally yeah. been a very good defender on Giannis one on one. And of course, on that final play, he stops him. Giannis throws a self pass to himself. I don't know what the officials were looking at. I mean, literally a game changing call. I'm not, I, I've seen a lot of 
uh, comments in the uh, chat. You know, I'm not a ref guy, but the ref stole the game. I mean, that, that's a huge call. Like in yep. terms of winning the game, if this were a playoff game, I would be kind of banging that drum even more. It's just that I don't really care too much about the results of the, the first game of the regular season, but that absolutely swung the game. Um, so I think they just did a good job of funneling Giannis to Joe. I guess the way I, would say. I guess it's a pretty good point on the I just want to, while we're on the ref tangent, yeah. how do you miss that fucking call? <laughs> like, that's the most obvious air ball past <laughs> yourself that I have probably ever seen in a basketball game. Everybody stopped except for Giannis. Someone should have figured out, oh my God, something's amiss here. We might have missed something. Here's the most ridiculous part on top of that. I went on Twitter because I'm like trying to find the clip as we're I'm going doing the recap and just trying to make sure that I'm not the one who missed something. The fucking NBA's official Twitter account is posting the highlight. Like, <laughs> look at this big three by Dame Willard. Are you kidding me? That's like on the, you can watch the tape. You have the advantage of social media admin. You have the time to sit there and say, oh my God, he airballed it to himself. We can't post the clip as a highlight. That's, it makes us look fucking ridiculous. The official is at least is like, it's in the flow of the game. They miss it. They miss it. It's not like you're not going back on that one to be like, oh my God, look at this great highlight from Milwaukee. It's like, what's going on here? I'm just like, I don't, that just blew my mind. And that was, that was what, like four minutes? Like that was outside of the two minutes. We wouldn't even get a two minute report on that one. Yeah. Uh, I guess the only thing that you could think of is that they thought he like lost control of the ball while going up and it wasn't a shot. So what they say on the broadcast that was like, it slipped from his hands or something. Come on, dude. That there's a clear shot attempt that he just missed. (laughs) It's, it's one of those two where, first off, I don't know how you're not looking at the shot. Like that's, that's number one. I don't know how you're not looking. One of the few, the three referees has to be looking at the fucking shot that's taking place on the floor. But, but if you aren't looking at the shot and you, you just, the reaction from Embiid and Oubre they both stopped and threw their hands up in the air. You got to be like, all right, all right, something's amiss here. Like they, they, we have to figure out something. And of course, the uh, the NBA account did not say like, how did Dame Lillard get so open? Well, because oh, I wonder why they stopped playing the game. Because Kelly Oubre correctly or incorrectly assumed that uh, you know Giannis did something illegal there. And by the way, you know what made it worse? Then Kelly Oubre gets called for the offensive foul. Uh, on the next play down, man, Jay Crowder, he better get Talk fined for that flop. one. Yeah. Oh, yep. man. Yep. So, look, I agree with everybody in the chat. The Sixers got a terrible whistle down the stretch tonight. There's just, there's no other way to put well, it. Well, and then you had the two marginal contact calls. I've never seen marginal contact explained that many times in the game in my life. Uh, and that one on PJ, where PJ was under the basket, that, that was clearly a foul. I can't believe they missed that one. I am not a refs guy. I, I like to focus on the things that your team can control. Even when the refs are bad, you can acknowledge they're bad, but I don't like to focus on it. They were awful. They Wait, absolutely cost. Somebody in the chat, the Hills says he got credited with a rebound on that play. <laughs> the only, Kyle, you can't you have it both ways. Either it's a rebound on a shot or it slipped and there's no rebound. Like, What are we doing here? Did they credit him with a shot attempt? I have I haven't gone to the play by play. I had to go. And Vin, see Vince exactly. is saying, "Why stop in the chat? Why stop? He walked, Vince. He walked. You're not allowed to do that." <laughs> uh, yeah, and then you're, you're right, Derek. The uh, the fact that it was a no call a couple minutes before on the the charge that PJ took, no no call. Like it's got to be something, right? I yeah, no, there was contact. There was not. That was not marginal. That was right on the basket. It had to be called. Um, just amazing. Like that was one where they're like, I'm we're watching the replay over and over and over. And they go to commercial, they come back, they take a couple more minutes after the commercial. And it's like, we're watching it over and over. It's clear as day. Huge call to miss <laughs> would have been the fifth foul on Giannis and said, it's a no call and a Giannis bucket. I mean, it would have been two points off the board and the fifth foul on Giannis and said, it's two points for the bucks. Giannis only has four, just two complete game changing plays. And again, I hate, I hate, I hate, I hate, complaining about the refs because especially when your team is so imperfect focus on the team you cover but it was hard to ignore that one tonight i hate the rationale of i can understand it maybe in the playoffs you don't want to give somebody a fifth foul and that's how you wrap your mind around the fact that all right they're just going to call that a no call on marginal contact it's a regular season game but just call call the foul we don't have to 
tiptoe around, oh, no, Giannis isn't going to play and shoot 10 for 22 and anymore. Also, oh, Giannis did whack PJ in the face, like, just a couple minutes before then. Like, PJ got his freaking ass kicked, and I don't even mean that in a derogatory way. I feel bad for way. PJ. He got beat the yeah, hell up tonight. He had tonight. a tough one. <laughs> All right. Yeah. You know what's not tough? Getting tickets through the Game Time app. That's wow. true. Very That's good. true. I was worried your, about your transition there, but you nailed it. Let me take a quick break to tell you about Game Time. No Phillies. Again, that's good. You do, well, no, not good. What? <laughs> Traitor. No, no, no. Not having to pay $1,300. Benedict Bodner <laughs> over here. Trust me. I'm hurting, man. Uh, but you still have Eagles tickets to buy. You might have concerts you want to go to. You want to make sure you get a good deal. A good deal. Game time is the Or a place. good deal. You know, I mean, my, it might be. My, I don't know if I look good in teal. So I definitely don't. Game time is the place to be. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. GameTime is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance, GameTime has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. And the GameTime guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, GameTime will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps and you're set. Tickets sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right. Uh, I'm not sure I have too much more ranting to do on the refs. I feel like if anyone did, it would be Kyle, but I think he got it. I got my F-bombs out. I got called a potty mouth in the chat. You did? Listen, man, it's what? It's 11 p.m. 11.07 p.m. If there are little kids watching this stream, I apologize, but no, I don't. In all honesty, we've been doing this show for six weeks now. If they haven't picked up that you're a potty mouth, like we've kind of let them fly here. Yeah, that's, kind I, of let them fly. I mean, I try to have some restraint, but when it's an obviously ridiculous... Here's the thing, like last thing on the officials and then we'll move on to God knows what. I understand you miss things in the moment. It's why replay honestly infuriates me more than live action missed calls because there are a lot of times when I'll see the follow-up, they see the follow-up and they're like, actually, no, this is still correct even though it seems to me that it's obviously wrong. But that one is like, how does anyone with eyes miss that call? That's the problem I have. The stuff that's marginal, like, again, marginal contact was a the theme of the night. What are you going to do? That's an interpretation call. There's no interpretation to make here. It's an egregious miss, and it's not going to show up on any two-minute report, but I guarantee you whenever these guys get a uh, their eval, their report card from this game back from the league, it's not going to be a, an A+. We'll put it that it way. It was not perfect. <laughs> All right, so obviously Kelly had 27 points on 11 shots. Just a wild That's line. That's absurd. Five for six from three, four for four from the line. Uh, pretty much played outside of, again, maybe one or two passes. Otherwise, a pretty perfect game. Touch foul on Dame, which seemed a little bit um, dubious. But other than that, pretty much perfect game. Rest of the bench players, I think, had some struggles. Yeah. Danny, Pat Bev. Jaden had that five-minute run. I guess, what was your overall takeaway, specifically from Danny and, and Pat, because I feel like we haven't spent too much time talking about them. I said it before the season. I I think that the Pat Bev over Jaden minutes are going to become the first real fan base point of anger. Yeah. And I think it's going to be deserved. I think Jaden, yep, at this point, should just play over Pat Bev. It's not like Pat Bev is a a floor general like no. you're giving him the ball and asking him to run the show every and now and then he'll run a point a pick and roll and it's like what are we doing here like what exactly do you think is going to come of this yeah so i didn't i wasn't super impressed with basically anybody off the bench paul reed we could throw in there did not have the, didn't play a second with Embiid, which i thought was a little bit surprising yeah not, not a great read game i mean the it felt like the bucks really hammered the sixers in those minutes um on the on the offensive glass and Yes, that's not all Paul's fault, but it's a little bit his fault. Like if if you're an undersized center, got to box out, got to rebound, all of those things. Um, I thought it was a little weird from Nick tonight with the rotations. In the beginning of the fourth quarter, he went no Embiid, no Maxi. I think Tobias was on the floor for a little bit of the time there, yep. but 
obviously that's a pretty dicey strategy. Like it's it's not something that's not on Paul Reed to you know um, carry the lineup, <laughs> ca- ca- carry the offense, and it's it's one of those things where if Kelly Oubre is not cooking, you know it's going to be really hard for them to score. It turns into a lot of Melton, too much Melton, mm-hmm. uh, in fact. So so that was a little bit uh, weird, but. Not, I'm not worried about B-Ball Paul moving forward. Uh, Pet Bev was funny in that he he raises his hand after he gets beat uh, and commits an obvious foul. He asked the bench to uh, to challenge obvious yeah. foul calls as well. So he, he did make me laugh a couple of times, but in terms of like, should you want him to play over Jaden Springer? I, yeah, I'm with you on that one, Kyle. I think, uh, I think maybe give the young kid a, a few more chances because I'm not sure what exactly Pat is bringing to the table that is different than Jaden. I would say Pat Bev is leading the team in LOLs per 36 right now, but (laughs) exactly nothing else. No, I thought, I thought there was a couple of maybe a minute stretch where like Pat Bev got through a couple screens on the perimeter. Okay. And I'm like, Hey, he might have something. And then Dame got him in just a tiny bit of space. I was like, Oh, all right. You're toast, uh, buddy. (laughs) He's been in the league a while. I will put it as nicely as I can. Yeah, I think not only is Springer versus Pat Bev going to be a talking point, but just the backup point guard, especially if James Harden doesn't play very often. And we've gotten, how far are we into a show right now? We are 36 minutes into a show. I think this might be the first time we really mentioned James Harden. But if he doesn't play much and if he's not in the long-term plans, I feel like we're going to be talking about backup point guard a lot because Pat Bev doesn't look like he has it anymore and he was never really a point guard to begin with. Um you know, DeAnthony Melton's overtaxed trying to really get the team into their offense. There will be nights where he'll make more shots into the night, but I think as running the offense, that will be a, a difficult difficulty for him. Uh, I don't know exactly what the short-term answer is. I don't think there is any real answer on the roster right now, uh, but it did not look good in those non-maxi minutes. I, I think the question for, you know, this stretch, if Harden does not come back and play, which, you know, who knows, you know, who, who knows how that's going to work is, how does this team get offense outside of Embiid and outside of Maxi? Yeah. When Kelly Oubre is having the game of his life, okay, it's not as much of a problem. But how do they manufacture points? Because you know what's funny? Like throwing the ball to Tobias to me, it felt so much more organic when they would run those pick and rolls for Seth Curry a couple of years ago, where I just felt like they were going to get a pretty good shot with him and Embiid. And I don't know if, you know, a Tobias bully ball ISO qualifies as the same. And I also just think, like, like you guys mentioned, there's a lot of guys on the floor where it's like, yeah, who, who's initiating this play here? And, yeah. uh, you know, that's something Nick Nurse is going to have to figure out. You know that's, what the answer to that is? Who? Point Ferk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there were some cries for Ferk on I mean, social look, tonight. If I have to watch too much Pat Bev, I might earnestly be calling for Point Ferk. I would say this in, in Pat's defense. One, DeAnthony Melton was a complete train wreck tonight, yes. which we've yes, kind of gotten at that. So... If DeAnthony's playing that port, like really he should be the guy who I don't love him as a lead guard by any means, but he should still be at the top of that below maxi pecking order. Like he should be the guy that comes out early then comes back in with some of the bench guys and you play a four out around Joel and you run dribble handoffs, that kind of deal. If he's not playing well, I could understand why you go to Pat and because Pat, for whatever his weaknesses are as a creator, he's fine in a role where it's just like, hey, dump it to Joel, get ready to shoot. He'll swing the ball around the perimeter. Even had a nice, he had a, I believe he had a dribble handoff tonight where he scored off of it, had like a nice little runner in the lane. So he wasn't as bad as I think we're probably making him sound. I just think if the if you're asking me would I rather play him or Jaden, I don't even think it's a question. Like I'd much rather get one, the developmental time in and just chase the defensive upside that I think he offers that even uh, Pat is nowhere close to him at this point. Yeah. I mean, look, there will be nights where Pat will have a better matchup for him. I think Dame is a a tough one for everyone, but especially a tough one for, you know, a guy who's in that mid thirties part of his career. Yeah. So I think there'll be nights where he will look better. I think my biggest concern isn't even so much Pat Bev. It's that I just, they need more guys who can dribble and pass. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how they rectify that. Well, it's also a problem when PJ is playing 26 minutes a game too. Like this is kind of a weird PJ matchup where I didn't think he did a bad job no. on Giannis when he was in there, but when he plays offense against Giannis, it's just like, 
They were playing a football game. Everybody yeah. else is playing basketball. Totally. And it just completely mucks up your offense. I mean, remember the game? I think it was in March last year where the uh, the Sixers broke the Bucks. What was it, like a 17-game winning streak at mm-hmm. that point? Uh, the, the way that Doc won that game was, I forget who the shooter was that he put in the game. might have been George. He was like, PJ out, George in, and we're just going to try and outscore these guys. So it's a little, like, look, the Bucks still in some ways are a very hard matchup. Like, we talked about Joel struggling offensively. I think Brooke Lopez plays better defense against him one-on-one than anybody in the league. It's If there is somebody who is better, it's it's not a long list is what I would say. So, you know, and obviously Giannis, when he's allowed to play football, what did, what did Joel say? Like halfback dive or whatever? What, what did he say? He said something in Cleveland oh, yeah, last I year. I mean, the peak of it was when James Harden and Giannis were competing for MVPs. I was like, yeah, I actually am skilled at basketball. <laughs> and I don't remember what the exact framework of it was, but a lot of guys have taken shots at Giannis over the years after losing to his team. But yeah. So I look, overall that's I agree with you, Kyle. Like I'm I'm lower on that team in terms of, you know, like if the Bucks match up against a team like Boston, ugh, I don't know. I feel like Boston has a lot of places they can hunt and, and get good offense. But that's a pretty hard opening night game, you know, for, oh, yeah. the, for the Sixers. And I thought they acquitted themselves yeah. overall pretty well there. To your point about defending Embiid, definitely think Mason Plumley probably gives gives Brooke a run for his money. That's a joke. <laughs> I was gonna say, where the fuck? He drops forty on him every time. I was I was say, where are you going? Being with absurd. This? Where did you pull Mason Plumley out of? I was anyway. honestly thinking of the ones he, he destroys the most, and it's he drops a forty spot in his sleep against the Hornets every time. Um, well, now he's on the Clippers, so true, true. Yeah, he, uh, he got to keep track of your plumleys, buddy. Well, it was last year. I was talking about last year's <laughs> games. He was anyway, on the Clippers last year. This, he was on the Hornets at one point too, wasn't he? Doesn't yeah, it might be on. Probably. Yeah, I think that was. A, I think it was, it was a deadline deal. Yeah. Yeah. We're getting off tangent, but doesn't, very far off. That doesn't um doesn't Plumley shoot free throws left handed or, or one handed? I think he switched. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to think about how he <laughs> shoots. It's like actually disturbing. Um. No, this was a very tough matchup for them. Uh, it was nice to see Maxi just go right at people. Uh, that is one weakness they have to exploit. It was fun to watch Nick Nurse and the defensive schemes. Um, they have some very thing, things that are going to be very tough for them to overcome against this matchup, but it was a overall, I think, a, 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 it was an entertaining game of basketball. I really can't complain too much. Now all the silver linings are going to go out the window if they lose either of the games that they played this weekend even though it's absurd that they have a road home back-to-back the first weekend of the season. But we can talk about silver linings and say, hey, we see an identity, we see structure, we see all this. They lose to Toronto, who they squeaked one out against Minnesota, or they lose to Portland, who got their doors blown off by the Clippers last night. Then we're going to be sitting here saying, uh-oh, that something's going to have to start rolling in the right direction. Yeah. Portland on the second night of a back-to-back. I know it's the second night of a back-to-back. Like You, you kind of got to win that game. <laughs> you got to. Like uh, Derek, you mentioned one other thing I like, too, just in the first half. Maxi going bully ball against campaign yes. really kind of – there was one play where he stopped. He got him on his hip, and he stopped, felt the contact, and then threw it up. That was some of the better foul drawing I had ever seen from him. Hopefully, that was something he worked this offseason with Drew Hanlon and, and all of these people that he works out with because – We've been banging that drum for a long time. Like, you got to find a way to get to the line. You got to figure out kind of that BS type foul drawing. And it's it's a learned skill. And it was good to see. Um, it's also good to see. I mean, campaign is like one of the few guys in the league that's like way smaller than yeah. him. <laughs> you know, so for him to be able to like turn into LeBron. Him, for, Ish Smith. I'm yeah. trying to think of the other guys that he might be able to hit him with the too small. Yeah. Didn't Ishmith just sign a deal? With Charlotte. He He's deal, back yeah. in Charlotte. I was yeah. actually a little disappointed he didn't add to the He's the human cheat code and if you play immaculate grid. What is he up to like 8? No. Uh, no, 11, he's like 12. almost half the team oh, is it? or okay. half the league, I okay. mean. Okay. Yeah. I think I stopped following Ish's career after Detroit. Um Good old Ish. No, Maxi is uh like that was uh, both against Cam and against uh Dame. 31 points on 22 shots. You'll take that any time. Eight assists. Uh, did not have a turnover. In terms of development of the young kid that matters so much, I think that was a a good sign for sure. All right. I guess we'll probably have one more ad break here, and then we can close it up. 
Again, as always, if you have any questions, you want to drop them in the chat. We might have time. We do have probably a few more things to get through. Until then, a quick word from FOCO. FOCO is a leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment merchandise with a product line that includes apparel, accessories, toys, collectibles, novelty items, and more. It's best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. With it being football and tailgating season, means you're going to want overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, everything you need for a game FOCO has. And FOCO has hooked PHLY up and provided awesome pieces for our sets. FOCO always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in our description. For all non-presale items, use the promo code PHLY for 10% off. And I looked it up. Plumlee did start the year on Charlotte on Charlo last year. It was a traded lunch right Okay. Just because I want to make sure I wasn't crazy. That's no. All. That's all. If we're looking at indicators for Maxi, by the way, because I feel like we have not talked about his night enough overall. 22 shot attempts. That's over the mark that Nick set that they want 20 attempts out of him per game. So good there. Eight three-point attempts. That's above where he's been at in the past. Thumbs up on that. I mean, Joel wants him to shoot 10. I don't know how realistic that is within the flow of the offense and them wanting to have a more free-flowing, team-friendly offense. But I think eight three-point attempts is great. And the eight assists with no turnovers, even if – I don't know if I can recall one that was like, a, oh, that was yeah. a really nice read. Yeah. But I don't I don't think that's what we're expecting from Maxi anyway. If he's getting no. them into their sets, if he's making the the simple reads, the, the kick out to the strong side if somebody pinches, dribble handoffs with different guys, quick swing passes around the perimeter, that's more than enough in terms of what I'm expecting from him. I don't think I'm ever at this point thinking he's going to be the guy throwing – rap passes around two defenders no, yeah, or yeah, doing yeah. anything crazy. So I thought his night was a unqualified success. No, look, like you mentioned, you're not expecting him to come out and be, you know, hardened for lack yeah. of a better comparison. You're, you just want him to have his head up on drives, anticipate the rotations, make use of that and kick out to his teammates. I thought he did a good job of that for sure. I also just like that he struggled in his first stint and he kept going, you know, he just, he just started to play better as the game went along. Kyle, to your point, I think some of his assists came on those Joel threes, like where yeah, yeah. they're kind of those low value Ben Simmons type of assists. But again, zero turnovers against a team that is starting to pressure the ball a little bit more. I like look, I think this was in a lot of ways a favorable matchup for him, but he took advantage of it. And, you know, there were a couple plays like I think he had a back cut where Embiid found him in the fourth quarter. Like he finished around Brooke Lopez. Like yes. these were not easy plays to make. And I just think, like, you know, this is something we've always seen from him, but some of the dribble moves he makes, man, he he makes guys look like Looney Tunes trying to guard him. Like, they just, <laughs> they're just they just stuck in the mud, and it's it's really impressive to watch. Um, and, yeah, 10 free throws for me. That's the big thing. That's that's really good. Yep. Yeah, speaking of Looney Tunes, Dame looked like he ran into a, a wall on, on some of those screens tonight because he just he hit contact and was like pancake against it. He was not moving anywhere. Yeah. I swear there are players, and I'm not saying Dame specifically, but players that intentionally run in the screens just so they have an excuse not to run through them. It's amazing how some people just have a magnet in them for that. You screen. say that like half jokingly. I would guarantee you that there are guys. Who do, I'm, I'm convinced Lou will, Lou will. just run Lou right will. into it just so he can stop <laughs> playing defense. Because there are guys who don't actually want to rebound that will like do the token. Oh, I'm yeah. looking like I'm boxing out and put their hands up, and then the ball flies. Five feet away from you them, have and it's anyone like, oh, in mind right now? I might rhyme with Aleel Joker for. See, I seem to recall some possessions that he had on the defensive end where his rebounding was not exactly up to par. But yeah, so look, I think we we all agree a lot of positives from that game. Is there any overwhelming concern about whether it's an individual player or a? A team concept, I guess, at this point. The ball handling, the shot creation. Like, there are nights where they're not going to shoot 16 for 35 from three, where Kelly's not going to, everything he throws up isn't going in. Same thing with Toby, that I just don't know how they consistently generate better looks. The backup point guard spot concerns me greatly. Outside of that, most of what Embiid did or didn't do today, like, I think in two weeks, he'll be fine. Uh, the free throws, the turnovers, I think he'll get that under control. It really comes down to the shot creation for me, by far the biggest concern. That's my answer too. Uh, just the uh, always Sixers problem. Transition defense kind of stunk. It stretches mm -hmm. tonight, and that is a tough matchup for that. It is, it is a tough matchup. Oh, that. I mean, I think 
that's one thing Milwaukee is going to be really good at. Like Giannis, when you kind of build that wall against him in transition, now that you have Dame Lillard as a trailer, that makes it a lot harder. So, but I, I just thought there were a bunch of times tonight where it was like, you know, like one on one breaks for Milwaukee and, and the Sixers basically didn't have anybody else back where that, that can be improved upon. But, you know, it's look, it's game one. I'm not going to be too worked up about that. The The long term thing is how are they generating their offense? And, yeah. You know, outside of Joe and Tyrese. And we'll see on that. Kyle and I did our our preseason predictions. Kyle had him 12th ranked offense. I had him 13th. Where would you fall into that? I think I did it in the newsletter today. I said, oh, okay. I said right around the same thing. I said it shows you for not reading the <laughs> newsletter. You dick. <laughs> I missed one. I apologize, Rich. I did walk right into that one. Subscribe at all phly.com. That's the good. Uh, hey. That's the good ad read there. Uh, yeah, no, I think, I think probably about 13th, 12th in, in offense and they're gonna have to work for it uh, yeah. to do it. Like that is where James Harden is. It's crazy that you basically just remove James Harden and that goes from maybe the best offense in the league last year when everybody was was yeah. ready. You know, they were top three overall. And, you know, Derek had those stats. Like when you you cut it off right around, I think it was December 8th, 9th, whenever he came back, uh, they were the best offense in the league. Yeah, it, it gets a lot harder. Um, and I think if they are going to get to that 50-win mark this year, the defense is going to have to be better. It's going to have to be, you know, 6-7, something like that. And I think they do have the capability to do that. Like... You know, when I see teams from last year, like the Chicago Bulls, finish top five in defense. By the way, players only meeting after their first game yeah. is one of the most insane things yeah. in recent NBA history. It's like, you know, it's Oklahoma City. They look like they might be a pretty good team. They made a bunch of threes. Take a chill pill, fellas. It's all right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> looking it up, the Sixers before the, or before the, uh, yeah, I mean, James Harden joined them like right after the All Star break that year. Before the um, All Star break, Back in the Ben Simmons holdout year, had the 14th ranked offense in the league. So I feel like 12, 13, that probably seems about right. Maxi's better and Bede's better. Maybe the role players aren't because you don't have Seth Curry, but the role players are, are better defensively. Maybe that'll even out. Uh, but they had the 14th ranked offensive squad prior to Harden really starting to suit up for them. I feel like that's about right. Yeah. You want to hit a few questions from the people? I feel like we have not, uh, we have not the comments have been show. coming fast and furious tonight. So yeah. Was... And we have a little more to talk about today than maybe in some of our shows. So we do apologize for not bringing up some of these comments earlier, as Kyle says, well, Neil asked for a letter grade on Joel Embiid. I, I mean, I... I mean, outside of that one stretch in the, in the really start the third, when he, he brought them back it, I mean, I'll give him a D plus. I was going to say C minus, so it's it's right in that range. Uh, none of us, fair to say, that it, we're encouraged by that performance, but I think having watched him in the preseason finale, maybe we're prepared for and it. And having watched him for the last seven years, like yeah. you just know there's going to be a little bit of a ramp-up period, especially when he didn't get to play in the preseason. I think a lot of it comes down to getting in better shape. But yeah, maybe a C minus just because he did have that stretch there in the uh, – start the second half. He did ha have some good defensive possessions against Giannis. So I'll, I'll bump him up to a C minus. I think you guys are probably right, but not a good Joe game for sure. The the answer for the letter grade is not good. Enough. Not good not, enough. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Not for a guy who just won MVP last year. Right. For sure. Right. But I'm, I'm prepared for him to be pretty rusty for at least through this weekend. You know? Yeah. I think that's the way he was last year too. But three games and four nights, maybe that'll force him to, uh, <laughs> Get get back into shape. What what do you like? Why does here? Rich hate B ball ball? Alex Coffee ass. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> oh. Talk about trying to put you uh, under the microscope. Tron's ass. Tron's basically saying the three point shooting disparity is making this loss feel better than it should. There's some to that, but also just the fact they're able to get 35 threes up, I think, is pretty encouraging for a group that I think I worry a little bit about whether they're going to be able to win the three point volume game. Um, so I will take that as a positive. Certainly they probably made more than they will on a normal night, but I'm, I'm just happy that they outshot the bucks in terms of volume from three. Yeah. But I mean, if we look at it, like, I mean, Tobias is not going to shoot a hundred percent. Kelly's not going to go five for six, but D'Anthony's going to shoot better than two for six. There will on be a lot games where PJ Tucker will make a three and consider taking dude. One of the, I, I forgot about this play until you just said his name. 
there was a transition possession and I, I believe it was the fourth quarter, maybe the third quarter where he caught the ball in transition around the free throw line extended and absolutely everybody in that arena and watching the game on TV knew he was going to try to pass it to Tyrese in the corner was immediately read by, I think it was Malik Beasley and deflected it out of bounds. It's like, bro, I know corner threes are your thing, but you could try to take another type of shot once in a while. You are a professional basketball player. Now, the counterpoint to that, though, is Paul Reed tried to branch out and take a top of the key three, and it did not go well. I thought he's playing the four this year, man. <laughs> yeah, no, not a lot. Not I didn't tonight, think that either. shot was crazy. That was not like a 20 seconds on the shot clock. I think there was a decent amount. I'll go back Maybe. and rewatch I, it. Maybe you're right. We I could felt go like back, there was a decent amount. I thought it was more like the defense was sucked in, ball comes to him, and I was like, He's so open that take one. Oh. If he had taken a second one, okay, I, I get it. <laughs> I have a feeling with the way he shoots, he's going to be open from the top of the key a lot. <laughs> That's probably true. Look, I, I don't mind it. I, I think part of this season is trying to expand the roles of guys like Springer, like Reed a little bit. And if there is some pain in the first couple months with um, with missed threes, that's okay. That's okay. As much as I supposedly hate Paul Reed, uh, I think that that shot was uh, Okay. Uh, Miles put a question in the chat. Did you see what Daryl Morey liked on Twitter? He liked a tweet from KOC and it was the Sixers look really good. And especially for that reason, they should be patient in finding the proper return for James Harden. Now that's not a tweet about keeping James Harden. It's just keeping him for long enough to get a good trade offer. Yes. They can't settle when the right package could put them back in the title combo. So Daryl Morey just, Twitter fingers, very active for uh, KOC's uh, tweet <laughs> after the game. But that's clearly where he stands, which we already knew. Yeah. He's very online, though. But you didn't you didn't need Daryl Morey's Twitter likes to figure that one out. I guess. I feel like he's trying to send a message with that, though, you know? Yeah, that's not one. He tends to like and retweet a lot of young player praise. Right. Like, oh. Yeah. Philip with an F had a nice preseason game. Or look at Jaden Springer defending against the Atlanta Hawks and... Which to, I think to like that one is a little bit of an eyebrow raiser. Exactly. He he likes to to hype up his young players, which I think is absolutely fine. That's that's good. Try and be positive for some of the young guys. This this felt like a little bit more of a statement. Sure. But like you felt like it was gonna take a while anyway, right? Yes. Yes, I did. And it certainly did not feel like a James Harden trade was right around the corner. We did get a couple too on Jaden because we, I was making the case for Jaden over Pat Bev. No, Kareem and Doretta. I do not think Jaden is a primary ball handler. I just don't think Pat Bev is a primary ball handler either. He can, I mean, he's like a kind of a point guard. He can dribble a little bit, but I think in either case, both those guys should be playing next to somebody who is a better ball handler. And if that's going to be the case, I'd rather play Jaden in that spot. Yeah, and especially if you're talking about a short guard and Maxi, it's a little easier to play someone like Jaden who has a little more size and physicality to him. Not that Pat isn't a good defender. He obviously is. It's just he doesn't have the size and the strength that Jaden has or the athleticism, obviously. Um, yeah, look, Pat Bev, is, like, he, he'll still certainly get after it defensively. He'll have some matchups where he won't have the foot speed to hold up. But offensively, outside of being able to like advance the ball and dribble, he really just doesn't. Like you need more, you need more point guard play on the floor for sure. I, I like Pat Bev while also acknowledging his limitations, especially at this point of his career, like four or five years ago, I think we're having a different conversation yeah. where he's a little bit Absolutely. more of a valuable player. But in this convo, this is more that I just think the kid has earned it. And the kid mm-hmm. is more interesting to me as a basketball player yeah. than him. I agree. Probably a good place to sign off for the evening. Yeah. Unless you guys have anything else. I think it's probably good. Very lively chat. I'm sure Kyle has some very specific people. There's a lot of people in the chat. I'm not sure if Kyle's going to get to each and every one of you, but a couple that he's going to want to call out here. That would be very tough. Well, first of all, I have to say, I think the Brian who led us astray on the mic noise went to sleep. I saw him say goodnight at one point. So, Brian, if you listen to the end of this podcast tomorrow, shame on you. But for, also, like, thank you. He thank was you a for lively being here. He's here all the time. Yeah, he apologized. He, he apologized. He did apologize. I'm just busting his balls. He understands. He's... He listens to the show all the time. He gets it. But thank you to Miles, to Neil, to Money Mart, to Leonard, Two Minute Warning, Randy, other Brian, Brandon, Doretto, Ricky, Hypothetical Man, Brandon, Scott. There's just 
obviously Alex Coffey, who's saying that Rich is a Paul Reed hater. Very important to She's point that wrong. out. So thank you, all you guys. We have so many people here that we see during the day, and it's like, oh, these people at 2.30 in the afternoon have a little time on their hands. But now it's, you know, 11.30 at night. Many of you are probably going to sleep soon. So to spend your waking hours with us is, is very appreciated, and we'll be back with you before you know it. Well said. Y'all city like the mayor. 